9.9, the light positive radio, Lucy and Kells Relate. We are now about to kick off our second of five one-hour specials across every Friday of the month of October as we delve in deeper to Mental Health Month. Lucy? Very excited today. We have the beautiful Suzanne Meeling. She is a clinical psychologist. She's also, and I love this, an accredited mental health first aid instructor, which we might get to a little bit later. She's worked as a psychologist for many years and is really passionate about helping others understand themselves and improve their well-being and very passionate about the topic of self-care. She joins us. Welcome to the show, Suzanne. Lovely to have you here. Thank you for having me. So let's kick off. Let's get straight into it. Self-care and what that looks like and what it means. A lot of people hear it and go, oh, isn't that self-indulgent? Isn't that selfish? Is it just getting a manicure? It's so much more than that, isn't it, Suzanne? Oh, absolutely. And um, I would. I think a lot of people see it as a luxury and I'm here to sort of get the message out there that it's actually essential. It's not a luxury, it's essential. And I'm going to hopefully by the end of the hour have given everyone permission to do their self-care. So. Okay, I'm looking forward to that. So where do we start, Suzanne? So I thought I'd start, I've got a little example, just a, an example from my own personal experience recently. And I thought I'd share that to start with because I think it'll help um, with some listeners will probably really relate to this. Mm. Um, so it's a little bit funny um, because... Um, it happened um, the day the earthquake happened. Yes. I want to talk about where I was and how I responded because <laughs> in my family, normally I'm the really level-headed one in a crisis situation. Mm-hmm. So in an emergency um, or a really stressful situation, I'm normally very level-headed. I'm calm. I'm the one directing people. All right, you do this, you do that. And that's that's just how I usually am. Mm-hmm. But this day I was very different so um, I and make all the jokes you like about this part (laughs) so I was sitting on the toilet that's where I was when the earthquake happened (laughs) and I hear the rumbling and I think oh has a truck come up the side of the house and then I think no that's not possible and then I look up and I see everything shaking and that's when I realize it's an earthquake and immediately my mind goes to we don't get earthquakes in Melbourne what's going on and then it went to we do not get earthquakes like this because it just kept going Mm. I said we definitely did not get earthquakes like this in Melbourne and my mind just went to the worst case it went the world is ending literally went there Mm -hmm. uh as rational as that is it went the world is ending and then my mind went I'm not going to die with my pants down (laughs) so (laughs) I have never got off the toilet that quick in my life I came out screaming to my kids get under a doorway, everybody get under a doorway. About the same time I come out, my husband comes down the stairs, big smile on his face, he's almost skipping, and he's telling me how fun this is, that he was upstairs surfing. (laughs) And I'm screaming, this is not fun, this is not fun, get under a doorway. And he's like, calm down, Suze, it's all right, calm down, it's okay. I'm like, nothing is okay, nothing is okay right now. And I tell you what, I had a full fight flight response. I was shaking. It took me 10, 15 minutes to calm down. Mm. Not my normal self in an emergency situation. And so afterwards, when I had calmed down, and it did take a little while, um, I had to think, why? Why had I reacted like that? Mm. This is not how I normally react. So I started to sort of question myself. And I started to, to think, you know, what's going on for you at the moment? And 
And then I started putting the pieces together. So for me, in that moment, it was the end of a long term of remote schooling. Uh So three kids in primary school, it was the end of a very long term. Also, at the same time in my life, we're trying to build a house. So this same week that this earthquake happens, we've got the construction industry shutting down. So I'm very stressed. I'm watching the news. I'm thinking, I've got to keep up. What's going on? When can my build start? I'm watching all the protests. And unfortunately, with my character, I'm a very empathetic person. So when I watch the protests, I keep putting myself in the position of the police officers. Mm -hmm. And I keep thinking, oh my gosh, what must it feel like to be standing there while this mob comes at you screaming and chanting? And so I'm getting quite emotional watching the news and I'm watching it because it's got to do with my house. Mm -hmm. At the same time, on social media, I've got some friends that are very anti-vax and I'm very pro-vax and So I'm getting in there and debating with them about that and that's getting me a bit stressed and a bit worked up. And I just had to look at all these things and realise that the reason I had completely flipped my lid in that moment is because I was out of what I call my window of tolerance. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the window of tolerance and what that is. But basically I was already very stressed. I think my window of tolerance in general is just reduced because of you know, COVID fatigue and and all of that. So it wasn't, it didn't take much for me to, you know, completely, you know, flip out of my, my zone of regulation and end up in that fight and flight response place. So what I did was I did exactly what I'm going to preach today. I did some self-care. Okay. I was very lucky because it was actually the first day of my leave. So I'd actually got a, a week off. So I took that week off and I used it and I, got out in nature with my kids and I just visited just about every park in, in my um, 15Ks. So that was lovely. So I got out in nature. I turned the news off. So I went, that's not helping right now. The news went off and I, I stopped the debates. I put the social media down for yes. a bit and I went, no, this is not helping me right now. I think it's, so, I, I think it's really uh, refreshing to hear a, a clinical psychologist who we think you should have all everything together go, actually, I'm human. We all suffer from this. Mm. And I think that's so refreshing to hear. We're actually catching up right now with Suzanne Meerling. She's a clinical psychologist and earthquake survivor. <laughs> and we're going to talk self-care because this all plays into what we need to do for ourselves to have a good base, a good emotional base of energy to deal with the stresses of life. And especially when you come across a crisis, how do we put ourselves back together on the other side of that? We're going to explore all of that. And coming up, we want to take your calls. We need to have your input yes. right now on one three hundred triple seven eight double nine. We'll learn a bit more about the window of tolerance in a second. We have a whole bunch of calls already to get through. We'll be back just after this. 9.9 The Light Positive Radio with Lucy and Kel Relate. It is Mental Health Month, the month of October. And every Friday, like the one we are currently involved in, we'll be having a one-hour special with a professional dealing with the issues of mental health. We're talking to clinical psychologist Suzanne Meeling about all things self-care. We're going to chat about the window of tolerance in just a moment, but we have got so many people on the phones, so we really need to start getting through your calls, your questions on one three hundred triple seven eight double nine. We have... Cindy in Box Hill North. Hi, Cindy. Hello, Suzanne. How are you? Oh, this is Lucy, but well, in this is well, oh. meet Suzanne. <laughs> uh, Cindy, what's your question? Um, Suzanne, my question is um, basically I sometimes suffer from anxiety and panic attacks, whatever you call them. And I found over the years my way to cope has often been when I'm at home to go to my bedroom, lie on my bed, have no sound, and just wait 
practice my breathing, I wait until I feel safe again. The, the problem is I'm just wondering how to best handle that sort of situation if I'm away from home, if I'm out in public, even if I have a job and I'm amongst a lot of people because it's easier to, to do um, when you're at home. Um, so basically like the self-healing practices may work when I'm at home, but what's the best way to cope if you're away from home and out in public? Yeah, that's, you know, what you're doing there is a, is a beautiful strategy, you know, using your breathing, you know, calming yourself in a nice, you know, low stimulus room where you've got the lights down and it's quiet. I think those are really good strategies. But yeah, like you said, of course, you can't use your bedroom when you're in the shopping center or at work or things like that. So yeah, you, what I would what I would suggest is that maybe you start small. So think about what is sort of like a, a little bit of an anxiety-provoking situation for you. And go and do that thing. And when you're doing that thing, practice those strategies that you have, like your breathing and self-talk and, and any other strategies that you have um, in that situation that is sort of tolerable for you until that becomes easy. And then you choose the next situation that's a little bit more anxiety-provoking. And you, you sort of work it up from there. And we call this exposure. Um, and so that's what I'd sort of recommend you do. Start really, really easy, something that you can probably do but just with a little bit of discomfort Start there, do that thing, do it while you're doing your breathing, keep yourself calm to the point where you can do that thing much more easily, then move to the next thing. And before you know it, you work your way up, mm. you're able to do what is actually quite quite a sort of feared thing for you at the moment. Um, so that's sort of what I'd be, I'd be recommending. But, you know, also recognize how well you're doing. You, that breathing strategy works mm. for you in mm. your room. Mm. So there's no reason that shouldn't work for you if you can sort of start to make it work for you by practicing it in these other situations. Oh, I like that because uh, baby steps are still steps, still steps forward. Progress, even if it's slow or small, is still progress. I love that. Thank you, Cindy. We also have Emma from Baronia on the phone as well. Emma, welcome to the show. What's your question for Cindy? Yeah, hi. So my question is that um, I have a big family and there's lots of um, mental health challenges um, long term that are exacerbated by these lockdowns. But I also am an intensive care nurse. So I'm a carer at home, but I'm also a carer at work. And I have um, coping strategies when we're out of lockdown. So I go to the gym, I have a day at home by myself. I always have a holiday booked. We have a caravan, so we can always go away on school holidays. But when all my coping strategies are taken away and um, and I'm not coping and I am the carer at home as well as the carer at work, what can I do to provide self-care? Yeah, um, absolutely. I'm a little bit in the same boat as you. A lot of my coping strategies were around getting away on holidays and having things to look forward to that we just can't do right now um, so I think it's about you know we need to be realistic with what we can do so um, you know what is self-care that you can do so um, for me things like having a bath um, reading a book taking the time to do the things that I find very relaxing and enjoyable that I can do at the moment those are still self-care so maybe it's about maybe playing a little bit um, practicing with a few different strategies um, and 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 I suppose finding something new for yourself. A lot of people took up hobbies in um, in lockdown. Um, maybe explore some some different things along the craft lines, or um, so play with it. Play with these different things. Exercise, 
find what is restoring you that you can do and then make sure you're doing that every day. Keep the calls coming, one three hundred triple seven eight double nine. Suzanne, you talked about the window of tolerance. Tell us a little bit more about that and what that really means. What is this window of tolerance and why when it gets smaller and smaller and smaller, we seem to cope less and less well? <laughs> yeah, so if you imagine like a window and you've got the top pane and the bottom pane, and when we're functioning well, we're functioning in that window, in that window of tolerance. So that's where we're we're calm, we think clearly, you know, kind of that saying, cool, calm, collected. Um, that's where we're, we're, we're coping our best and we're very resilient. But things happen, you know, stress happens. And when that happens, we, we become dysregulated. And so there's kind of two ways that we can become dysregulated. One is that we, we go off the top of the window mm. and we call that hyper arousal. Yep. So that's when we get um, that kind of fight or flight sort of, response like I had during the earthquake you know mind's racing heart's beating I'm anxious you might find you angry even tense so that so you're dysregulated in that state the other way you can go is to the bottom of the window and you can go under the pane of glass and then you're hypo aroused so this is where you might find yourself you know sort of really slowed down low mood maybe even depressed feeling unmotivated maybe not got a lot of energy um withdrawing, disconnecting, that's hypoarousal. So again, not functioning our best. So we want to function in that window of tolerance, but unfortunately, stress, trauma, things like that, circumstances can make that window smaller. So that's where self-care comes in. If we can do our self-care, we can make that window bigger. Yeah, that's so true. And I, I know that from experience, having had a really rough four years mentally, I went into that hyper arousal state quite often, Suzanne, where I would just blank out. My brain would literally freeze from, I guess, everything consuming me. And, and learning to self-care in those moments with my psychologist has been so key. We'll get to some of those uh, tips and tricks and maybe even some, you know, uh, things we can actually physically do. Yeah. Uh, but we'd love to take your calls as well if you have any questions for Suzanne while she's here. one three hundred triple seven eight double nine or on the text 0428-899-899. Back after this. And point nine, the light. Lucy and Kel relate on a gorgeous Friday afternoon in Melbourne. Blue skies and sunshine, but that doesn't mean everything is blue skies and sunshine. And that's what we want to delve into over the course of these next few Fridays. This is the second one-hour special in regards to Mental Health Month. Lucy and Kel relate. We're talking to clinical psychologist Suzanne Mealing, who has been a wealth of information so far on the topic of self-care. And now we have another caller here, Emma in Lilydale. Hello, Emma. Lucy, how are you going? And really, Kel? Really well. Uh, Emma, your, your question is something I, I can see what you're about to ask, and it's something that I have walked. So I'm going to be interested to hear Suzanne's uh, response to this. Emma, what's your question? Uh, my question is, obviously, I'm a, a mum of two small kids, school-aged kids, and I work full-time and a wife as well. Um, and I've been trying to implement some self-care routines of late um, whilst in lockdown and, and doing those sorts of things, walking and reading. Um, what I struggle with, though, is every time I invest in self-care, my brain at a later time will tell me, well, that was quite self-indulgent, Emma, um, selfish and, you know, uh, you should be cleaning or you should be doing something with your kids or something like that. And I, I struggle to process that guilt, um, even though in the moment the self-care was so enjoyable. 
Yeah, I love that you can see that self-care is important, but then you have this consequence of feeling guilty for doing it later, which um, is very common, actually. And, I, and I've experienced this myself. And as Lucy said, she's experiencing mm-hmm. this. And um, I think what we've got to do is we've got to think about how we're thinking. You know, what are we telling ourselves and try to regain some of that control over I like to call it helpful and unhelpful thinking. I just break it down into very simple simple kind of terms. Unhelpful thinking is things like saying to yourself, I should. I should be cleaning right now. I should be a better mum. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. In this situation, that's going to be very unhelpful. It's going to leave you feeling very guilty. So watch for where your thinking's going with that sort of stuff and, and try to challenge it a little bit. And, and then you said it yourself. You said, you can see that self-care is beneficial. You know that. So remind yourself of that in that moment and override those unhelpful thoughts that are trying to make you feel guilty with some of the more positive ones. And if you need to, this is another strategy you can try. You can say, Susie, a clinical psychologist, says I need self-care. Yes. Okay. I'm giving you permission to do the self-care. So in that moment where you're feeling really guilty and your, your mind's taking you to that place of being, oh, you're so self-indulgent, Nope, Susie said I'm allowed to do this. In fact, I need to do this. I love that. Emma, we give you permission, all right? Yeah. (laughs) And can I just say, Emma, I battled it too and I used to feel so very guilty and I don't know, I think for me it was just doing what Suzanne said, just continually practising it, saying, no, I am worth this. If I don't do this, I am going to burn out. And I need you to know, Emma, I don't have any guilt anymore. So I do truly believe you will get there too, sister. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for the call. We also have Nav on the line as well with a question for Suzanne. All things self-care. Hi, Nav. Oh, hello, Lucy. How are you? Really good. What's your question for Suzanne? Yeah, I mean, uh, we actually, it, it's not about individual. It's about the family, right? So we are like a, a small family uh, having two kids and not seeing my parents back in a different country and uh, my parents have not seen their grandkids. And every time when I when we see when I when we look at the kids and their smile, uh, immediately we get a pinch that oh, my parents are not seeing my kids and mm-hmm. it's like a it's a, like a huge pain. Uh, we got mixed feelings every time when we see uh, the kids play and kids laugh and you know those moments. How we can yeah how we can cope up with this uh, these kind of situations. Yeah, so feeling sad that the pandemic has meant that your family, grandparents can't be with your kids. So what would you say, Suzanne? It's, we nearly threw it, so hopefully that can change soon. Yeah, and I think this kind of um, relates to the last caller as well. It's about what our self-talk is doing and what our thinking is doing. And in this situation, if, if our thinking is focused on what we can't do mm. right now, you know, my parents can't see the kids yeah. and this is terrible and this is getting me down and this is horrible and this is not okay, then we are going to feel really bad at the end of that. So I'd, I'd encourage you to, to, again, try to work with that thinking and try to just shift it that little bit. It doesn't have to be an extreme shift to I love life and this is fantastic, but it could be just a little shift instead of, you know, if you notice that thought, my oh, this is so sad, my parents can't see my kids. Maybe you could switch it a little bit to be, oh, this is actually hard, but you know what? We've come this far and I'm so thankful that we've got technology and we can do a Zoom call tonight.
I love that. It is all about self-talk, isn't it, Suzanne? Hey, before we get to another song, Suzanne, just thinking about the statistics of mental health here in Australia, meaning almost half of all Australians battle it at some point, whether that be anxiety, depression or both. It's something that will touch us all. And self-care during those times can be really, really hard. What would you say are just some really easy self-care things that we can do, we can all implement into our lives to help us wherever we are on the spectrum of mental illness yeah I think a really easy easy self-care thing is to learn a deep breathing strategy Mm. because everywhere you go your lungs go with you Mm -hmm. so you will have it wherever you go and and they're pretty easy to learn they take a little bit of practice because it is a skill but you can get on YouTube and and just search deep breathing um, and it'll guide you through how to do deep breathing and you just practice that and then that's a a self-care activity that you can do whenever wherever you need it yeah. That would be a fantastic one to start with. That's a good one. I must say, I'm a little disappointed the answer wasn't a family-sized pizza and two-litre <laughs> bottle of Coke. But you're the expert, Suzanne. You're the expert, Suzanne Meeling, clinical psychologist. We are racing through this special, this I one know, hour. it's gone so quickly. Because just blown away by how honest and open that the Light family is being. Your last chance, really. On the phone right now, one three hundred triple seven eight double nine. This is live across Melbourne, and if you want to interact with Suzanne, have a question about your own mental health and how you can be better at self care, we'd love to hear from you. Your last chance coming up in the next couple of moments. One three hundred triple seven eight double nine, or just text through oh four two eight eight double nine eight double nine. Back with more. Lucy and Kel relate after this. The light Friday afternoon in Melbourne, a gorgeous springtime afternoon. This is Lucy and Kel Relate during the month of October. It's Mental Health Month, so every Friday we stop down at midday for a one-hour special regarding the issues of mental health. We're talking self-care today and we're talking to clinical psychologist Suzanne Meeling about how to look after ourselves. Suzanne, what are some strategies we can do if we're starting to feel like we're not okay not, it's like, I'm not talking about something like where you need to run off straight away to your GP, but maybe you're just right on that edge. Are there some things you can do to help self-care to bring you back from that hyperarousal or hypoarousal state? Absolutely. So um, self-care is one of those things that's very individual. So like I said to one of the callers, it might take a little of playing with to work out what strategies work for you. Um, but I'd always start with physical kind of health strategies it's important to get those because they're our foundations and we we know this um it's sleep it's getting good sleep it's uh exercise it's eating healthy and and limiting our drug and alcohol use so if we if we don't have those right it's hard to to like you know imagine trying to do mindfulness when you haven't had a good night's sleep you might just doze off and fall asleep it's not going to be as very healthy and helpful so get the foundations right so sleep eating exercise um, you have a look at your life and just just take a check-in, you know, how am I sleeping, how am I eating, how am I exercising, um, and start there. And then on, after that, it's about what restores you, what relaxes you, what calms you. So thinking again to that window of tolerance, what regulates you, what brings you down when you're hyper-aroused, what brings you up when you're hypo-aroused. So again, this is where it becomes very tailored, but play with things like what... What calms you, you know? Is it yoga? Is it reading a book, taking a bath? Um, Maybe getting out some sensory toys. Um, Sensory strategies are really good for down-regulating and and calming us. So playing with some Play-Doh, listening to some music, those sorts of things. 
can, again, play, work out what works for you and what feels good. Um, we've talked about some of those stress reduction kind of strategies, the way we think about things and making sure our thinking is helping us. So watching for lots of self-critical talk or those, those thinking traps like telling ourselves we should be doing something or shouldn't be doing something and trying to, to maybe reframe some of our thinking to be a bit more optimistic and a little bit more helpful. And Sorry, go on. No. Oh, I've got so many strategies I could go on forever, Lucy, so you better cut me off. <laughs> well, I, I, I got a great text here from Neil. Uh, I think that fits into this very well. Neil's texted through saying, actually, it's on the Facebook Live, Neil, and he said, I've heard the first thing that you can do to determine your day is, you know, where what really sets the rest of the day for you. He said, for example, if you wake up and go straight to social media and read a negative comment, that's going to set your mood. He goes, what uh, advice would you give to get that very first thing right? What should be our first thing? Um, look, I agree with that because I often talk about um, the way we think and where we focus our thoughts, and this is exactly, you're right, this is a great time to, to talk about this caller's question. Um, if you're reading social media and your mind then goes to places of, oh, they're not right about this and this is terrible and this is, then you, you might be starting your day and then with thoughts that are going to, to then bring in those moods that, that go with those thoughts. So, you know, if I wake up thinking I'm going to have a bad day, I'm going to notice that, you know, it's raining and I don't like it when it's raining and I'm going to notice that I've run out of coffee and I'm going to notice all these things that are going to support my thinking and it's just going to become this self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm. So I think it's about, it is about what you do as well. So if you're finding starting day with social media puts you in a bad mood, then absolutely, I'd be cutting that off. <laughs> um so it is about what you do, but it's also about what you think. And so checking in with your thoughts and analysing them and sometimes reframing them and, and being, you know, really not critical with them and not negative with them can be very, very helpful. In my time of dealing with experts when it comes to mental health, and we've had some fantastic people on board, Lucy, yeah. I don't think there's ever been a circumstance where one of them has recommended more social media. No, no. I think we all have learned that. <laughs> We're all gluttons for punishment when it comes to social media, I think. Suzanne Mealing, clinical psychologist, you have been so great. This hour is already done. This second special on a Friday during Mental Health Month. Thank you so much for bringing your expertise to bear on the questions that many of our life family had. And thanks for being so honest about how you operate in an earthquake. We really do appreciate it. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Suzanne. We are going to be back very, very shortly with a quick little wrap-up and we will allude to what's going on for the third special coming next Friday. Yes, Lucy. and I've just scribbled down, just as we were chatting, I decided to scribble down everything I do to self-care and I think I might read that out because I think there's some fun things that maybe you could all start doing as well. We'll be back just after this. Lucy and Kel relate. And a massive thanks to Suzanne Mealing. Yeah. And all of the time that she spent with us in the last 60 minutes or so answering your questions about self-care and dealing with yeah. many real struggles that the mental uh, health aspect is. There's so many things bouncing around in our world yeah. that give us stress. And you've got to have some sort of base, a foundation to draw from. And that's yeah. what self-care, the chat was all about. Yep, it's so important. And it can be anything, any activity undertaken with that intention of enhancing yourself, your life, your situation. We've learned a lot today. I just quickly wrote down some things I did because I had a chat to Cam and Joe at about 11.30 on air. And actually it was a question Joe asked me and I was really like, oh, I had to sit there and to stop and to think exactly what do I do for self-care? And she... She threw the question to me live on radio and I was like, wow, 
wow, I need to I, I, I need to sit down and think about this. And mm-hmm. so I have written down what I do because I think let's just do a few little quick checklists so we can all take something away, right? So Suzanne mentioned the breathing. That's something I do constantly when I start feeling an anxiety attack or panic attack. I, I bring it back down into my body. I'm very aware. Where's my breathing? Is my shoulders up? And I do those three deep diaphragmatic breaths. That's excellent. I was going to say maybe elaborate because I think people hear breathing a lot yeah, and they're, they're not quite sure no. what you're talking about. But no. to give them specifics so is really Deep helpful. breath right down on the bottom of your belly. Three in and out really slow. Uh, that is a super helpful thing. For me, if I'm feeling really stressed, sometimes a really hot shower, just stand there and do the breathing in the shower as well. Bubble baths have become a treat for me. If I'm stressed, bubble that bath up and I will go lie in there and become wrinkly. Early to bed, that's so important for me as well. Um, something that I did say on air to Cam and Joe is, and this is interesting, I Googled it and it actually is a form of self-care, is I've always been a people pleaser and said yes to everything until I've burnt myself out and I've made promises I can't keep. Yes to this, yes to that, yes to the other. Then I work myself up into a state of anxiety trying to deal with 30 things a day that I've promised to people. And so saying no has become a self-care thing for me mm. to be able to go, I can't do that. I'm so sorry. I can't take on that extra work. No, I can't go on that walk with you. I'm so sorry. I've already done three walks with people today. <laughs> so saying no can be a really wonderful thing. I've started doing a gratitude journal. At first, I thought that was just stupid. I was like, oh, come on, I'm grateful. But stopping every day and finding three things has been so impactful in my life and on some days where I have struggled to get out of bed and keep on keeping on with my mental health Mm. journey I've stopped and gone I am just grateful that there is breath in my lungs and that I have a beautiful daughter and have a roof over my head and once you start bringing it back gosh that helps Um, I walk I train with a trainer on Friday night I order buffalo wings every Friday night and you may laugh but that's what gets me through a week sometimes I'm like this is my self-care and uh, sometimes I just need to get off the socials because sometimes especially at the moment that can be so bad for your mental health so all these things I do help me through the weeks when I'm really struggling and I'll be honest Kel it's been a rough four years I've Mm. spoken a lot about my mental health I have gone through a a family breakdown it has been really hard Mm. and I'm coming through the end of that I've still got a pretty rocky month ahead of me and so I'm going to be self-caring so much and I encourage everybody to stop and list down today some things they can do to self-care. Write it out like I did. When you write it out, you go, oh, I have so many things I can do. Write out what you want to do to look after yourself. And especially, ladies, do not feel guilty. You cannot pour from the empty cup. You must be full. So fill yourselves up. Use the oxygen mask on yourself and then for the rest of your family. Thank you so much for being a part of the second special of the month of October with Lucy and Kel's Relate. We have another Friday coming up and another expert locked away. Oh, are you ready? Steve Bidulph. He is a very famous Australian author. He's an activist. He's a psychotherapist. He's lectured worldwide. You've probably read his books, Raising Boys, Raising Girls, The Secret of Happy Children. He is a member of the Order of Australia, so he's pretty much a knight. I would think. And uh, we're going to be chatting. I don't think that's how it works. <laughs> well, but. 
<laughs> you know, if he was in England, he would have been knighted by now. Uh, but he's got this new book out. It's Cutting Edge. It's where therapy meets neuroscience. And it's talking about the feeling beneath our feelings. Oh, it's really exciting. I've read the book this week and I think you're all going to absolutely dig it. It's very cool stuff we're talking next week. Thanks to everybody who caught up with us for the hour that we have just spent together on 89.9, the light positive radio. Thanks to everybody that jumped online with the Facebook as well, socially. Now, if you would love to hear what went on in the last 60 minutes again, in due course, it will be up online at thelight.com.au. And as is uh, Friday of last week as well mm. with Dr. Michael yes. Carr-Greg. So mm-hmm. there's some good resources there if you're dealing with mental health journeys when it comes to your kids from last Friday and when it comes to self-care from this Friday's show just gone. We cannot wait to return next Friday for the third instalment during Mental Health Month. Until then, as we always say with Lucy and Kel for breakfast, don't forget to love each other, yeah. especially on a gorgeous day like yeah. today. And until we meet again... Toy hoy, everyone. <laughs> Toy hoy, we love you.